over the last three weeks, we have been in a series here at the house titled Choices. How many of y'all have had more choices over the last few weeks? Uh, you feel like you're seeing choices in a whole different way over the last few weeks. In life, we are all faced with choices, especially right now. In a world where it seems very chaotic, it seems like we're making choices every day. I, I, I will tell you this. My, my daughter came home. What, what day was that, baby? She came home uh, Tuesday, and, and I don't know what happened to her. She just slept for like 14 hours. And I went, dear God, my wife and I are like, Corona. Come on, work with me for a second, because it's part of the symptoms. It, that, that whole exhaustion is part of the symptoms of coronavirus. And so we were like, oh, Lord, here it comes. And then, it, then it, it, that one thought changed about 50 decisions that we were having to make, because Judah's got to go to the orthodontist because he's getting braces. And if, he's, if she's got corona, well, now we've got to change all this stuff. And, and it just seemed like everything was going into chaos. And, and then I called the doctor, and, and I said, well, hold on. My daughter's getting tested for coronavirus, but my son, she goes, well, the CDC has changed things, and he can go to school until he shows symptoms. Wait a minute. Hold on. That's not the same information I keep getting every day. Oh, my gosh. Everything keeps changing. Finally, I was like, time out. <laughs> this girl don't have coronavirus. Stop. Let's just stop talking about it. She doesn't have it. Within like two hours, the girl was popped up, ready to go. We, she, had a, she got two days home just to wait on a stupid test. She was like, I, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, you can't go to school because we don't have the answers yet. Then, of course, she tested negative and all is well. But, but all these things that are happening around us create all these chaos of choices. But there's a choice that you and I have to make in order to finish this life and to enter into the kingdom of God. Because, see, everyday choices come to help you make momentary decisions, and sometimes we make the right ones and sometimes we don't. But there's one choice that affects eternity. See, the choice is whether or not my son stays home or goes to school while my daughter's testing positive or negative for coronavirus is not a choice that changes eternity. But there is only one choice in our lives that will change the course of history, will change the course of history for the legacy underneath you, will change everything that comes behind you, will change everything that you walk into, and that is the choice of choosing whom you'll serve. I think a lot of us today are serving things. We're serving situations. We're serving culture. We're serving social media. Hmm, Jesus. We're serving people's affections. We're serving people's attentions. Uh, how many likes can I get? Did my picture get enough attention? Am I popular? Am I unpopular? Do people love me? Do people not love me? We're serving things that have nothing to do with eternity. We're serving things that have nothing to do with the promises of God. We're serving things that only have to do to the appeasement of our own flesh. And Joshua tells the people of Israel this one statement. He says, choose today whom you'll serve. So let me say this as a sidebar. You have a choice. That's the great thing about God is that you have a choice. But let me help you with something. You're going to have to choose one way or the other. You don't get to slide in and hope you make it. you got to make some decisions now. And I've said this over the last few weeks. Hurry up and make it and stop making excuses while you have it. Well, I, I'm just waiting for all that, all of it to come together. I'm just waiting for things to be perfect. I'm, I, you know, I, I don't want to give my whole heart to God yet because you know, there's still things I'm working on. What do you think he's here for? He's here to walk with you while you're going through the process. The choice to serve God is not saying I'm perfect. The choice to serve God is I'm an imperfect being who needs his creator to walk with him. I'm not, I don't have it all together, but I'm going to serve the one who does. And I'm going to grab a hold of the hand of the man that walks on water. I'm going to let him lead me rather than me lead me. How many of y'all have let yourself lead you and found out where it ended you? Come on, we've all been there. I, yeah, I made my own decisions. Yeah, I didn't end me in great places. But then when you grabbed a hold of God, it might have gotten tight sometimes. But man, you ended up on the other side of the thing. You didn't get stuck in the thing. Joshua says in, 24, Joshua says in Joshua 24, 15, choose today whom you'll serve. Shoot, some of y'all are in a season of decisions just trying to decide what Christmas presents to buy your children. Hmm. But can I say this to you? Some of us make decisions based on Christmas presents based on the popularity that we want with our children. Because if I get them what they want, they'll love me more. Nuh-uh. It's not the way it works. Have you, how many of you have bought Christmas presents for your kids and three hours later they've taken that toy and put it away and they don't really care about it anymore and that's the big present that you got them for Christmas? And you're like, but I, I put all of my hard labor into that. The problem was is that you chose material rather than heart. Ah. 
See, we're making choices even now that affect us in months to come. We're making choices that are contrary to the word of God while desperately desiring God to move in our lives. Listen, right now, people are crying for God to heal our land while they still live in sin. How do you live in sin and cry out to God at the same time? How do you live in an eternity of hell and cry out for the one who calls you to an eternity of heaven? You cannot live in both places. That is a double-minded man. But the problem is in the church today is there is a lot of double-minded mess going on. We will gossip, we will sin willfully, we will choose to do it, and then call ourselves holy. No, you are sinful, you are wicked, and it is today is the day where you make a decision. Heaven or hell, life or death, blessings or curses. There is no gray area in this anymore. Trust me, the only gray area that exists is the one you create to satisfy your ego to keep you in the midst of playing both sides. This is totally contradictory to the scripture that states the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. It is amazing to me that when pandemics hit and when situations hit or struggles hit, how all of a sudden people will step up and go, oh God. But when they're going through their daily lives, they don't cry out, oh God. It's not until there's a pain. We've joked about this as pastors over the years. You want to find the church? Bring a problem. Because everybody finds Jesus when there's struggles. Can we prove it to you? There's a joke when you go to jail. Everybody finds God in jail. Amen. I went to jail. He was always talking about how I got saved. But what will you do when you leave this place? When you're not locked up anymore. When you're not stuck behind bars any longer. When you're not given meals at 5 o'clock in the morning as breakfast. And meals at 9 o'clock calling at lunch. And not in a freezing room where they keep you cold so you hibernate all day. What will you do when you can go enjoy the, 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 the comforts of life? What will you do when you step out of your bondage? Will you stay committed or will you just walk away? Because let me just say this to you. We cry out to God when it's painful. But when it's not painful, man, we I'll make time for you later. All of this starts with a choice. It's time to make choices so that we can see a greater outpouring of his spirit, a greater flow of his anointing, and walk in the fullness of who he is. It's time for you and I to stop making choices that just affect the moment and start making choices that affect eternity. So in week one, we dealt with Luke 9, 57 through 58, where it says this. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, to, to, birds have nests but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. Let me say this to you. Choices that change things will always make you uncomfortable. Stop making choices that make you comfortable. Those are the things that will kill you you because the only thing you're comforting is your flesh you're not comforting your spirit because the spirit of God does not come that you do you understand that Jesus came to kill you your flesh your desires your wants so that you might have what he wants for you see nobody wants to say this anymore because everybody wants to say well Jesus came to give us everything but do you understand to get everything you got to give up everything you got to give this life up to receive the life that he has you got to walk away from sin so you can receive the Savior. You can't live in sin and have the Savior simultaneously. You have to. It's a trade-off. Choices that change things are uncomfortable. How many of y'all remember the day you got saved? Do you remember all the thoughts that went through your head before you answered the call? Do you remember the questions you had? You, I don't want anybody looking at me. Pastor said, raise his hand. I don't, I don't want to raise my hand because everybody's going to look at me and think I'm, I'm, that, I'm that crazy sinner. Or I, I don't want anybody to think. You know what blows my mind sometimes? That even leaders in the church can't even admit to their own sins. So, something I learned years ago. Man, I don't care where you are. I don't care what position you're in. If there are struggles in your life, get them under the blood. And don't care what everybody else thinks. Do you understand that as your pastor, I've sinned? <gasps> no. Yes. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. But it is a desire of repentance that dwells on the inside of me that says, Brian, you can't live like this. And I come running back to the foot of the cross and saying, God, whatever I didn't give up, rip it out of me because I need you more than I need me. Choices that change things don't make you comfortable. If you thought that Jesus came into your life to make you comfortable, then all you're asking him to do is to soothe your pains rather than to remove them. 
And in week two, we went into Luke 9, 59 through 60. It says, he said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom. In week two, we discussed that choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. When you are making choices for the kingdom, your vocabulary changes. You no longer declare death. From the moment that my daughter was sleeping for 14 hours, I looked at my wife and never wavered one time. I said, that little girl does not have the coronavirus. That little girl does not have the coronavirus. That little girl does not have the coronavirus. Let me say this to you. Your fear confession will sometimes create a reality that you're trying to run away from. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if God spoke the universe into existence by a word, baby, what do you think your mouth has the ability to do? Oh, pastor, you're, you're, you're being one of those super holy people. Now, obviously, you haven't read your Bible yet because it's full of a bunch of holy people declaring a bunch of holy things. Choices that change things will allow the dead things to die and allow life to become your declaration. And then we got to last week. Or in Luke chapter 9, verse 61 through 62, it says, Another said, Yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I love what the message version says in this. It says, Then another said, I'm ready to follow you, Master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus said, No procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize today. Seize this day. Choose this day. Why is it, sidebar for just a second, why is it that we are so comfortable with putting off decisions that could change tomorrow? Well, you know, this just isn't the day for me to make that decision. I don't know if I'm ready to give up my sinful ways yet. I don't know if I'm ready to commit my life to God yet. Then why do we sit here? Because let me help everyone in this room. Sitting in church does not equate walking into heaven. I don't know what it is about Southeast Louisiana. I don't know what it is about some areas of the South. But down here, for some reason, we think church attendance gets us into heaven. No, change your mouth, change your sin, stop living the way of the world, and start living your ways according to the word. See, it gets quiet when you start doing that. Everybody, amen, 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 amen. Why, why does it get so quiet? Because nobody wants to hear this anymore. Nobody wants to talk, because everybody wants to talk about, well, if I just go to church, and if I just do good, God's, God's going to love me, and I'm just going to walk in. Uh-uh. He says, repent. Turn from your ways. Walk away from him. Don't go back to him. Leave him behind. Focus on the cross. Focus on the king. March yourself towards heaven, and leave everything else behind. But see, we don't preach like this in the church anymore, because what we say is, if you, give your, if you go to the altar on a Sunday, or if you come to church on a Sunday, or if you just look at people and smile, that's giving them the love of God. Shut up. Your smile did not save me from prison. I had people in the church that smiled while I was in jail. They didn't get me out. They weren't coming to pay my bail. They left me there and then made jokes when I came out. Yet, they all called themselves godly people. At some point, we all have to choose. We have to make some decisions. He says, anyone who puts a hand to the plow then looks back is not fit for the kingdom. Choices that changes things can, can't be influenced by where you've been, but where you're going. I'm going to say this to you because we're writing to the, to, the, to the end of a year, another year that we are all looking forward to be gone. We're all looking forward. I'm like, no, Pastor, I love 2020. 2020 was the greatest year of my life. Liars. Nobody's in this room going, man, I'm going to write stories about how great 2020 was. I know there's not one mama in this room going to write that book. Okay. Truth be told is we're looking towards the end of, a, uh, end of a year, walking into a new one. Here's my question to you. What will you carry over to the new year that you refuse to let go in this year? Hmm. What junk will you drag over into 2021? Will you drag over your fear into 2021? Will you drag over your worries, your doubts, your pains, your strife, your struggles, your past, your issues? Will you drag them over and go, God hasn't dealt with them? No, you just haven't let them go yet. Right. See, here's the truth of it. God can't deal with what you won't let go of. God says, I'm not going to wrestle you for it. I'm done fighting you. You have to choose what you're going to carry over. You're going to have to choose whether you put your hand to the plow or you keep looking back trying to fix what you couldn't fix all those years ago.
We have a tendency in this life to not be able to separate from what we have always known and embrace what God is calling us to. We must stop making what is comfortable the fulfillment of his purpose in our lives. Stop trying to straighten things out and let God lead you on the straight and narrow. Stop trying to repair things you've left behind and move forward. If you're not moving forward, then baby, you're moving backwards. No, Pastor, I'm just standing still. Standing still is regression. It is not standing in a great place. You standing still and not moving forward with God is not advancing you in the kingdom. It is keeping you stagnant and stale. Edit. For some reason, we have a tendency. Well, it says, when all you've done to do is stand, stand therefore. The problem is most people that claim that scripture are still sitting. They've not even moved yet. They're not even marching forward yet. When he says, when all you've done to do, stand, stand therefore, he's talking to people that have been moving. And when they go to a point where they feel the presence of God say, stop, then stand still and wait. I say, wait on the Lord. Not your opinions, not your wants, not your desires. Wait on the Lord. So that when the timing is right, you can take the next step into the next season. But we've gotten to this place now where we use this scripture because we want to talk about our complacency and call it holiness. Well, me standing still is me being, uh uh-uh. You standing still is you being lazy. You standing still is like getting a gym membership and never going. Just because you got a membership doesn't mean you're fit. Hello. At some point, we all have to make choices. So this week, I want to take you to one more verse. This is the last part of the series, and my prayer is that you have grown through this, and I'm hoping that you're consulting God before you're making decisions. Stop making decisions based out of your opinions. Make them out of the Word and let God lead it. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 30, and I'm going to ask if you've got a Bible to turn there. Don't just wait on the screens. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and if you underline in your Bible, I will encourage you to underline this portion of Scripture. If you highlight in your Bible, highlight this portion of Scripture. If you don't do either or, fold over the page on the corner so you can go back and read it later. Because I promise you, everything I'm going to preach this morning is still not enough to declare the power of what this one Scripture says. Deuteronomy chapter 30. When you got it, say, I got it. it. If you're looking at your neighbor's Bible, say, I'm looking at my neighbor's. Amen. I know you're in the room. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20, it says this. Today, I have given you the choice between life and death. Between blessings and curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I take just a few minutes this morning and break this scripture down for you? Because I believe this is the culmination to this entire series that we will find out how to walk this thing out and how to operate in making great choices that not only affect our families and ourselves, but affect our walk with God and affect our fullness in the kingdom of God. Amen? In verse 19, he says it this way. He says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now that right there could preach a whole sermon by itself. In that one statement, I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Let me say this to you. What if I told you that life and death, blessings and curses are a choice? See, when you read it, you go, okay, he's given me the opportunity, but you didn't see that one word that he put in there. I gave you a choice, the ability, the will to choose, to pick which one that you want. It's a choice by what you determine to serve in this life. Will you serve life or will you serve death? Will you serve blessings or will you serve curses? Now, let me say this to you. All of that decision comes out of what you speak. Mm. 
Because whatever you speak, you're committed to. Because when you say it, you're committed to it. That will also cause you to do it. So watch this. When I speak life, I live in life. If I speak death, I live in death. If I speak blessings, I function in blessings. If I speak in curses, then I function in curses. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a little sidebar here for a second. This is not popular theology to a lot of people, but I'm going to say it to you. For years, we have thought about this statement called generational curses. Oh, I'm going to mess you up so bad that you're going to get lost in this one. Can I just say this to you? How is it that you and I as believers, that once we have come to Christ, right? We've come. We've committed our lives to Christ. Now, there's a difference here because some of us have committed and some of us have played games. Okay. But those of us that have committed our lives to Christ, we are believers in the kingdom of God. He says that the old has passed away and all things have become new. That he came to cast or to kill the, the curse of sin and death. Now, this is what Jesus came to do. Am I wrong so far? I'm only quoting you scripture so far. Where in God's green earth did we get this stupid statement of those of us who have accepted Christ, live for Christ, call ourselves believers, function in the kingdom of God, to run around going, I'm still dealing with generational curses. How does that work? Because if you can say that, what you're saying is, is that the price that Jesus paid on Calvary had no effect on the stuff in you. See, there, there comes this point, because here's the problem in the church. We have to have a bad guy in order to have a savior. So what we do is we communicate the devil more than we create, communicate Christ. Christ is Superman. He lives as Clark Kent, but he pops out as Superman when we need him the most. No, he says, come, live, dwell, walk, walk with me, be with me. Let me be yours and you be mine. Leave all that other junk behind. So we go, oh, I've got generational curses. Let me tell you something. The only reason that you might have generational curses is because you have not committed your heart and your life to the things of God. Because maybe on the inside of you, you are still holding on to stuff because you haven't found out that God having it is far better than you pocketing it. So I will tell you this. Generational curses do exist for those who have not handed their lives over to the king. Struggle and strife exist for those who have not given their life to God. Pastor, how can you say that? I've given my life to God and I go through struggle and strife, but you didn't stay there. You might have walked through the valley, but you didn't build a house in that sucker and call it home. You said, you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You, 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 you get to this point where you, you just say, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm, I'm not complaining anymore. I'm not whining anymore. I'm not being frustrated anymore. I'm not being aggravated anymore. I'm tired of yelling. I'm tired of screaming. I'm tired of cussing. I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of being in pain. I can't do this anymore. God, you got to take this from me. You got to remove this piece out of me. God, whatever you got to do, whatever deep surgery you got to do, I need it gone. And I'm not going to blame my daddy's 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 daddy for the stuff that I choose to willfully walk in on a daily basis. I'm going to let that sucker die with them. And I'm going to find my life in you because my old has passed away and all things have become new. I'm making decisions that that's what they decided, but that's not what I'm choosing. Because let me help you with something. If I choose what my daddy's daddy chose, hmm. I am a womanizer, a cheater, an abuser, a drug addict, an alcoholic. Oh, but pastor, you know, those are in your, those are in your, your gene lines. Obviously, you don't know who made me. Uh, that's in your DNA. Baby, do you know what my DNA is made up of? The blood of the lamb. The one who formed me in my mother's womb. The one who spoke my life into existence. The one that uttered my name before my mama ever spoke it into existence. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I'm telling you, there's nothing behind me that determines where I am today and where I'm going tomorrow. As long as my eyes are focused on him and I'm choosing to follow him, life or death, blessings or curses, which one? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Ah. <sighs> I, I, I love it when church folk, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm, Pastor, I'm good, but the devil, you know. <laughs> how do you say God's good and then say the devil right behind it? Have you ever heard people do that? 
Oh, pastor, you know, but you know, you know, I just need you to pray. The devil's attacked him. Did you give him permission? Because how can the enemy willfully attack something that he has no ownership over? I'm trying to help you. you read your Bible long enough. It'll mess you up. Because I, I, the, way I, the way I treat the enemy is, remember that game Mother May I? Or Red Rover, Red Rover, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, but the Mother May I, you had to grant permission. Mother, Mother May I do this. Mother, Mother May I do this. My kids play this in the house. Mother, Mother May I do this. Permission has to be granted. The enemy goes to and fro throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Get that stuck on that word may. Not seeking whom he can whenever he chooses devour. Seeking whom he may devour. In other words, the only way he gets access to your existence is if you give him permission to walk in. Which maybe what we need to do is instead of talking about permission to the get in, I need to ask you, have you evicted him out yet? Because sometimes it's not about granting permission. It's that you never asked him to leave. <laughs> At some point, you and I have to step out of the space we're in and ask ourselves, are we operating in life or death? Are we operating in blessings and curses? And what are we speaking out of our mouths? It goes on in chapter 30, verse 19. It says, now I call on heaven and earth. To witness the choice you make. I don't know if you realize what that says. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Let me help you with something. And I don't know if you know this. This is going to get real old school preacher in this room for a second. But let me say this to you. A lack of decision is a decision. Okay. And God is sitting in heaven going, watch what they choose. He's not going, watch what they choose. He's going, Watch what they choose and then write it down. Watch what they choose and then write it down. Not to hold them into a place of pain, but to make an indelible mark that I know what they're deciding in their own lives. And he says, I'm calling on heaven. Watch, because we miss this one every time. I'm calling on heaven and the Bible declares that you are living epistles being judged by men daily. In other words, if you think heaven's the only one watching you, you are crazy. Because that little young lady at Starbucks that you drove through and gave her the stank face because you didn't have your coffee yet and was angry because they didn't make your order right and borderline cussed them out before you got your cup of coffee in your hand the right way, and then you want to go, God bless you. No, no, no. None of that was received. That person who cut you off in Walmart and they had 5,200 pieces in the 20 item or less lane at Walmart and you're like, what is going on? And you get all huffy and puffy. Excuse me, this says 20 items or less. Because your eagerness to get what you wanted just lost you an opportunity to be a witness to a moment of a person who might be going through a struggle. See, what I'm trying to help you to see this. You think this is all about appeasing heaven, but this is also about being accountable here on earth. God says, I'm watching, but I've also called your neighbor to watch. When you're getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church, that looks cute with all your family all dressed up. But how do you treat them when they can hear you screaming at them from the next door? What judgment are they making over you while you're standing out inside in the yard telling your children what no good son of a whatever's they are? But yet you come to church, we worship you. No, you don't. See, this is the struggle that constantly comes on. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Look at me. you got to make some choices. And running will not get you there. Choices that change things don't just affect you, but all the generations under you. Because watch what it says here in that same verse of Scripture. It says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And before you get caught up in, uh, before you get caught up in mortality and go, well, if I choose this, then we'll all live forever. Uh, don't do that. I'm talking about eternity, not mortality here on earth. He said, if you choose life, it'll affect everyone behind you. 
Now, you might be in this room and you go, but Pastor, I've chosen life, but my kids haven't chosen it yet. I'm going I'm to say something to you that I tell people a lot of times. It's time for you to put a demand on the seed that you've sown. He's the Lord of the harvest. You're not. Put a demand on the seed and let him be the Lord of the harvest. Let him reap the harvest. Let him bring forth the harvest. Let him send the rain. Let him send the windstorms. Let him send the sun. Whatever he needs to send, God, send whatever you need to send. But I know I got seed in this ground. So whatever's not cultivated yet, it's only up to your seasons because you're the one who's the God of every season. For the Bible says that there's, he is the Lord over every season under the sun. So why is it that we, we go, God, I'll plant the seed, but then i got to cultivate the seed, and then i got to harvest the seed. God, look what I did. You didn't do nothing. That's the problem. You kept trying to do it. You made a choice to be the farmer and to try to bring the produce. But God says, I'm the one who brings the production of the seed. I'm the one who brings the harvest of the seed. You just got to plant the doggone thing. And if you've got seed planted, baby, call on the seed. God, I got seed in the ground. How many times have you gone through things you forgot about the seed you planted? Yeah, but pastor, the ground doesn't look the way it looked when I planted the seed. But do you understand that just because it doesn't look the way you did when you put the seed in doesn't mean the seed won't take root and find its way back up and to bring a harvest? you got to trust the seed. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Choose life. Choose life. He's saying it. Oh, I wish you would choose life. But you keep choosing the dead things. You keep choosing pain. You keep choosing the past. You keep choosing the struggle. And before anybody sends me an email, a text message, calls for a meeting and says, Pastor, I don't agree. I got stuff I'm dealing with. Then before we leave today, the altar will be open. You can bring yourself to here. You can lay it down and leave without it. Because I'm going to say this to you. Your pain, your problems are a choice. How can you say that? My daddy beat me for 15 years. Physically and verbally. I have every right to be hurt, to be in pain, to be angry. But I choose to walk in the fullness of God and the joy of the Lord and let it be my strength and not be who my daddy was, but be a better father and say, you know what? That was his problem. But baby, that one ain't mine. I choose to put a smile on this face even when I'm hurting, even when I'm in pain, even when I'm sad, because I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And laughter does good like a man. Sometimes you got to just make a decision to stop parking yourself in problems and park yourself in the promise of God and watch it come to pass. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness. I keep saying it because I don't think you get it yet. Heaven is watching what you do. Heaven knows what you've said. Heaven knows you've complained. Heaven knows You've murmured. Heaven knows. Oh, Jesus. I'm going to be real careful where I go here. Heaven knows who you've talked about in this room. Oh, no. God, God knows my heart. Yeah. He says gossip is sin. He does know your heart. And the Bible says that your heart is deceitfully wicked. Period. None of us in this room are full grown. Hello. And if you are, please write a book so I can do it right. Because, baby, I'm still working on it. Please, please put together a PowerPoint and teach me. Because, man, to walk one day without my Bible. Okay. Here it comes. Here comes the conviction moment of the church service. To think that all of this is stuck in here is a lie. So why not carry it with you? No wonder we don't know what to pray when we go through struggles. Don't know, no, no, no wonder we don't know what to consult when we go through moments. No wonder we die in our struggles. No wonder we got generational curses. Because we can quote the cute scriptures, but we can't quote the word. Because we won't stand on it, we won't carry it anymore. Why do I need a notepad? Because you're not that smart, genius. Why do I need my Bible? Because you need to understand the word of the Lord, not the word of the preacher. I said it last week. I'll say it again. If you go to school and you show up without your textbooks, you're going to fail the class. Can, can, can I just sidebar for just a second? 
I got a lot of sidebars in this whole series. Can we please stop acting like we got it all together? Can we please, I don't care if you came out the womb and walked into the church. I don't care what ministries you've served under. I don't care who you've been with. I could sit here and list off a litany of people that I've done ministry with that you'd probably be astounded that I've never told you. I got people in my cell phone that I could call it a whim if I choose to. People that are on television that are preaching all over the country and all over the world. But I, I don't sit here and, you know why? Because none of that matters. You know what matters? How I live my life how I lead my family and the king that I follow so that when I'm done with this race, God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not thou good and faithful, light-seeking, attention-getting, full-grown, hoarding, church-attending, non-godly, unrighteous, sinful being. See, you didn't think I was going to go there at the end of it, did you? Because the truth of it is, is that we could do all these things. We could tell of all your accolades. But what is his accolade in you? Hmm. If, if you were his trophy on his mantle, what would your little placard say? This person ministered with so-and-so. That doesn't mean anything. A pastor said this one time. He said, the greatest thing that you can put on a tombstone is the dash between the year you were born and the year you died. Because if the dash does not speak for your life, then you did nothing while you were here. If you have to write who you were on your tombstone, you never touched anybody. Because you have to tell somebody what you did rather than showing who you are. Choices. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And he goes on in verse 20. It says, you can make this choice by, here it comes. I'm about to give you three points, three quick points that you can make these choices by. This will help you in making daily decisions that will strengthen your walk, and cause you to finish this race the way he planned for you. Number one, loving the Lord your God. Why does it start there? Because you can't do anything until you love him. But let me say this to you. Watch this. If you love God, then you have to love you. I've learned this over the years. If you have a problem with loving you, it's because you haven't loved God yet. Because when you love God, it makes it really easy to love you because you understand who you are in him. When you fall in love with him, you understand that what God created. You understand there's no mistakes. I might have struggles in my life, but I'm still not a mistake. I'm not a jacked up, messed up individual. God loves me, and because of his love, I can love me. You start to see yourself as his creation, not a problem, not a pain, not a stain on the earth. He says, start this out. You can only make these choices by, first, loving the Lord your God. And you know my favorite scripture. It is our mission statement here at the church. And that is, you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. Every fiber of your being, not your opinions, your wants, your desires. With everything that is you, let it give him praise. Let it bring him glory. Let it serve him. Let it love him. You shall love the Lord God until you are physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted and it is then that he pours strength back in for the same measure that you pour out he will fill it back up again love the lord god with all your heart with all of your soul with all of your strength with all of your mind we got to love god more than we want god a lot of people want god but nobody wants to love god because love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I love when people get mad at God because things don't go their way. Can we help you with something? That's not loving God. That's abusing God. <laughs> because no matter where it goes, God's still in control. Pastor, how could you say that? Are you looking in the earth today? Yes, and I can look how many sinful, deceitfully wicked people are in the earth today too. We are not a country or a world of God-fearing believers. We are a minority in a majority of sin. The great thing about that is God loves to use the minority to affect the majority. But if we choose not, if we don't choose whom we're serving in this hour, then the majority will begin to outweigh the minority and we will slide into oblivion. God won't, but we will. The church has become weak-minded and weak 
declare weaken their declaration of the things of God. We only say if, if I tell you right now, God is in all of this. Watch, why well, here it comes real quick. God's in the pandemic. You know what's funny thing was when flu existed, you never said God wasn't in it. But this came over and it's all we ever talk about. So where's God? He's in it. God's in the political spectrum right now. But my president didn't get elected. Shut up. The Bible says God appoints kings and magistrates, whether you like it or not, but it's for his purpose in the earth. Somebody talked to me about it and said, Pastor, what do you think? I said, listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm excited about this season. Why are you excited? Because I think it's going to be the thing that wakes the church up. Hello. Alarms are going off. Everybody's like, hello, let's pray. We're going to pray now. Why didn't you pray five years ago? Because nobody was knocking on your back door five years ago. But now all of a sudden, you're, you're afraid. You're afraid. Now, let me be careful. Don't pray out of fear. Because your prayer will be fear. It'll be cultivated in fear. It'll be foundation in fear. Here's my prayer. Hey, God, whatever you choose to do, I'm good with. Because I'm going to wake up in the morning in perfect peace. I'm going to wake up in the morning, and the joy of the Lord's going to be my strength. I'm going to wake up in the morning. God, you said that a 1,000 may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but no plague shall come down my dwelling. Father, I'm going to wake up in the morning and know that, a thou, that angels encamp round about me and my family, that they go, they go everywhere we go because, God, you have a plan to prosper me, even as your soul prospers. See, here's how I start declaring and I start decreeing the things of God. I don't look at what I can watch the news all day. My wife goes, how do you watch the news all day? It's so depressing. It doesn't even affect me. I just listen to it for noise. Oh, here we go again. We're going to talk about this for the next six hours. This is fun. Pastor, why don't you turn it off and put something else on? Because half the other stuff on TV is garbage too. It's just noise for me. I, I, I keep track of what's going on. But you don't see me standing up here as your pastor going, ah, oh, the, the political spectrum is a sham. Ah, blah, bleh, bleh, bleh. Shh. Shut it. We've talked more about presidents over the last year than we've talked about God. Choose. Which one you're going to talk about? Could you imagine if we all just communicated God? Oh, what a nice place it would be. Rather than, oh, my feelings are hurt. I'm upset. Wah. Because heaven and earth is watching. Heaven and earth is watching. Shh. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about the kingdom of God. Give them the answer that changes everything, not the ones they want to change a moment. Right now, it's only a four-year deal. Calm down. But in four years, everything... Okay. Here's what I don't understand. Let's say, sidebar, that the President of the United States is the worst thing that could ever happen to our country. Let's just say that for a second. I'm not saying that, but let's just say it. Does that take God off the throne? Can I, can I try that one more time? Did that take God off the throne? Is he still king? Does he still govern? Does he still lead? Does he still direct? I don't know how else to get it to us anymore because we are so caught up. It's divisive now to separate the body from his lordship. To separate the body from the king and cause us to build our own kingdoms outside of the walls of protection. And God goes, I'm not going to fight you to do it. But I can't protect you if you keep running away. I'm not worried. I'm not stressed out. I'm not afraid. God is on the throne. He said, love the Lord your God. And next one, here it comes. You're not going to like this one. This one gets really tough. It's ugly. After you love him, obey him. Let me, let me give you some pieces here real quick. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says it like this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? I didn't write it. He did. He said, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. I didn't write that one. I know y'all think pastor just pulled that one out of thin air, but that's in your Bibles. 
Let me give it to you one more time. Don't you realize that you become a slave, not a servant, a slave, bound to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin. You can, can I add a piece? You can be a slave to social media. You can be a slave to people's opinions. You can be a slave to what everybody thinks you ought to do. You can be a slave to people's thoughts about you. You can be a slave to your past. You can be a slave to your present, which will create you in being a slave to your future. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says this, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Can I just say this to you? Stop bringing sacrifices without obedience. Sidebar. Oh, God, I'm given a sacrifice of praise, but you haven't obeyed him yet. And your sacrifice does not work until obedience leads. If you bring a sacrifice, it means nothing on the altar. Abraham had to bring Isaac. That was obedience. The sacrifice had no fruit until the obedience was him going up the mountain to bring him to the Lord. We want the sacrifice. God, I'm giving up everything. No, you haven't because you haven't been obedient with what I told you to do first. Your sacrifice is dead on the altar until obedience comes first. You ever wondered why you can worship and you can't feel his presence? because worship comes out of a sacrificial place because you have to die to you to lift up that praise. Got it? There's a whole message I'm writing and I'm trying not to dig into it right now. But until obedience is on the table, you will not feel what you're looking for. God, I worship you, but, but you're still being disobedient. You're still living in sin. But God, I worship you. No, you don't because you're worshiping your sin, but yet you're trying to play the part in the moment because you're in church. And I need you to stop playing the part in the moment. When the pastor gives the altar call, take your behind to the altar and lay it down because you will not feel my presence until you lay down your problems, lay down your sin that so easily ensnares you and run the race with endurance to win. At some point, we have to make a decision. He says, obey him. To obey is better than sacrifice. And in Luke verse 20, 11 verse 20, it says, but he said more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of the Lord and keep it. Be not just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. It is not enough for you to come in and hear a good sermon and go out and go, I'm making it to heaven. No, no, no. Heaven comes when you apply what's been taught. Heaven comes when you apply your walk with God and you live it outside of the four walls of the church. Playing the masquerade game of church on a Sunday does not prove to the world and to heaven that you got it together. What happens is when you're, when you're afflicted with a Monday morning, come on, work with me some of y'all. When you're afflicted with a Monday morning, where is your praise then? Where is your worship then? Where is your declaration then? Wait, I need to get back to Sunday because only Sunday can I lift up my voice. No, no, no. The voice and the volume has to be louder on a Monday than it is when you're in the comforts of other believers. When that boss walks in the room and gives you a problem, can you lift up your worship then? Ms. Gerilyn came to me uh, 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 at, our, at our volunteer appreciator and said, Pastor, said, I went to Office Depot today and I was sending a fax. And we were waiting on this fax to go through. And I just went and said, praise the Lord. woman looked at me and goes, are you okay? She goes, yeah, you want to join me? <laughs> you want to jump in? Come on, let's jump in. Why? Because, no, we're just not going to say anything anymore. There's a lady at Office Depot. She's kind of like a, a tough lady. Just one of those people, just all the time. And my flesh side wants to be back at her. But every time I walk in, I find myself just loving on her. I mean, she's one of those people that just, she has no gray area. It's either black or white. You'll ask her something, she goes, I don't know why you did that. Whoa, calm down. I'm about to spend money in this store. I'm about to help you get your paycheck at the end of the week. Like, slow down. So she's always like very cut. And I just, one day she's like, and I just said, hey, are you having a good day? No. I'm sorry. Why are you sorry? Because nobody should have to have a bad day. Why do you care? I don't know. God does. Maybe that's why I care. What do you mean God cares? He didn't want you to go through a bad day. Hey, listen, instead of us sitting here talking about it, can I just pray with you? Huh? Choices. Choices. But what led me to pray for? Obedience. 
Not sacrifice. Can I help you with something? Telling others about Christ is not a sacrifice. It's an obedience issue. The reason we don't do it is because we see it as a sacrifice. I have to give up my flesh to tell others about Jesus. <laughs> I got to give up my popularity to tell others about Jesus. I, I have to be uncomfortable to tell. Yeah, choices. As opposed to, it's just obedience. And when we operate in obedience, how many of you have ever shared Christ with somebody or prayed with somebody? How did you feel when you walked away? Man, you're like, let's do that again. That was awesome. I want to do that again. Let's go do it. It's, it's like a drug. You feel better about you. you. You feel like you're walking right with God. Because you're not hoarding the kingdom, you're giving the kingdom. Okay. I'm almost done, I promise. It's always lies. Choices, amen. (laughs) The next one, the last one of this is by committing yourself firmly to him. Psalm chapter 37 verse 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I don't think we see that word it there. In every version I looked at, it's either italicized or bolded out, it. What is the it that he has to bring to pass that you can't? And it'll only come when you commit your ways to the Lord. What are my ways? Your movement forward. God, every step I take, I'm committing to you. Every move I make, I'm committing to you. Every direction I go, every person I talk to, I'm committing my ways to you. I'm committing how I raise my children to you. I'm committing how I treat my spouse to you. I'm committing my, my, my life to you. Everything I do, let it be done out of the integrity of the word, the promises of the word, the strength of the word, but let it be done because I'm in right relationship with you. I'm committing my ways to you. Okay. He said, love, obey, commit. And he goes on at the end of verse 20, and he says, this is the key to your life. I'm, I'm, I'm adamant about words in Scripture. I'm adamant about words in Scripture. Do you understand what he said in verse 20? Do you see what he says? This is the key to your life, period. Period. Love, obey, commit. Love, obey, commit. Love, obey, commit. Well, Pastor, that's Old Testament. That's not New Testament. We're under grace now. Okay, then kill every old person in the room right now. Because you can't do it. you got to have both. The Bible says in the last days, the old and the young. It requires both of us to fulfill the promises of God. So why would we get rid of the Old Testament? I wish sometimes we'd go back to the Old Testament because we'd probably get some junk straight. But he says, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord... Watch this. You will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, for those of you that don't read your Bible, I am totally talking way over your head right now. Because you go, what does that mean? He swore to, he go, I'm going to get the promise of the land he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What was that? I'm glad you asked. Praise the Lord. Because this is what that scripture declares over you out of Genesis chapter 12. In the very beginning of the book, of the very beginning of scripture itself, God spoke this over Abraham. You ready for this? He tells Abraham, get out of your country. Oh, wait, can I just say this? Get out of your feelings. Get out of your opinions. Get out of your wants. Get out of your desires. Get out of what you think is yours. Go with your from it says, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Understanding that God never told Abraham where he was going, he just said, Go where I send you. That requires some serious love and some serious obedience. He says, Go to a land that I will show you, I will make you a great nation. Here it comes. Now, this is what he promised. Watch. Let me go back for a second. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. The Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is what comes with that promise out of Genesis to Abraham. Watch. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in all of your families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all missed it. That was a really shout amen moment. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. There was this sermon years ago that I heard somebody preach called the Me Too Blessing. Called a Me Too. So when God said it over Abraham, Me Too. Me Too, that, that blessing's for me. But God didn't tell me that. Did you read what it says? He says, listen, if you'll live by these keys, if you'll live by love, obey, and commit, if you'll do this and make this how you make choices every single day, if you will choose me over everything else, seek ye first the kingdom of God, choose the kingdom of God first, then all these things will be added. 
He says, then I'll, I'll, I'll let you walk into the blessing I put on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The church is not walking in the promises of the word. They're walking in what we create and call promises. Can I just say this to you? My new car is a blessing, but it's not my promise. That's right. You got a new car. I didn't get a new car. That's because I praised God when I was driving a 240,000-mile expedition. Drove down the road with my radio blaring, worshiping God. I ain't care. I'm going to worship till it breaks. And then God showed up and said, hey, your season. Tagged. You're it. At some point, we got to snap out of it. At some point, we got to choose God over everything else. He says, I will bless you. I'll make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Oh, God. That means you're going to give more than you get. Do you, okay, see, y'all miss this. Y'all don't even see it. Do you know how much you're going to have to get to give more than you get? Do you understand how much has to show up for you to give more than you get? See, we miss it. We go, oh, how, how am I going to give more than I get? I don't have anything. When the Bible says you're going to give, that you're, that you're going to, you'll be a blessing to others, that means God's going to have to put things in your hands to be... Preaching the wrong church, I guess. I will bless those who bless you. Can I say this to you? Make sure you're blessing people, not cursing them. Because you're not going to like the next part. And I'll curse those who curse you. See, when people say, Pastor, aren't you upset with so-and-so said about you? No, not really. Why are you not upset? God will deal with them. He always does. I don't say anything. I don't have to get involved. Pastor, that's a very passive-aggressive. That's right, because the Bible says the battle's not mine. It's the Lord's. I just show up, and he fights it. Trust me, you don't want to deal with the, the team I'm bringing, I promise you. And that's the same thing for you. Stop fighting battles that aren't yours. Let him have it. Trust it. And in you, all the families, all of your families of the earth shall be blessed. But listen, the promises only came because Abraham loved God, obeyed God, and committed his life to God. He never said it would come without challenges. Do you know that it took over 2,000 years to see that promise come to pass? 2,000 years to see that fulfillment. Sometimes we get lost because we don't see it tomorrow. That's called lack of trust. That's called lack of understanding how much he loves you. Do you, don't, do you think he'll give you a promise he has no plans on fulfilling? I know sometimes we can't see the promise, but in order to receive the promise, we have to choose. A couple weeks ago, I, I played a video in our staff meeting. It's of another preacher, and it, it rocked me to my core. I was sitting at the house one afternoon and watched this video, and i to be honest with you, I wept. I cried. Um. This statement of choosing where we are is not just a cute series done at the house. I believe it's the clarion call from heaven right now. I believe it is the decree from heaven right now. We are done playing games. Listen to me. There is a body of believers that will stand and be counted no matter what the cost. And then there are those that will waver and run when they have to be accountable for the choice. And I believe with everything in my heart, we are walking into a season where the church has to be a firm foundation. Because we will become the house of refuge that the people need because we are hiding and abiding under the shadows of the Almighty. But you will always be stuck out in the rain until you choose. Only the church has an exit. Hell has no exits. When God prepared hell for Lucifer, he did not prepare hell for humans. He prepared hell for Lucifer. And when he prepared hell for Lucifer, he made a way that hell could see what's going on in heaven for the fact of torment. But when he made hell, he fixed it in such a way that those that are in hell can never exit and those that are in heaven can never come to where they're at 
and help them out. Can I tell you tonight, you ought to exit while you can. You need to exit a life of sin while you can. Exit your lifestyle while you can. If you question whether your life is pleasing to God, you listen to this preacher tonight. Exit while you can. But I've got to keep on telling you, just because your conscience has been seared does not negate the fact that Jesus is coming. Exit while you can. See, what could be better than, for, than heaven would be as you are walking up to the throne. As you're walking up to the throne. You made it to heaven. You made it there. And you're walking up to the throne and all of a sudden you hear, Mama! Mama! That's Jared. Oh, that's your mama. I'm over here, oh Jeremy. And for the entire family to come around the throne of God. I can think of nothing better. I can think of anything that would top heaven than to be around the throne of God. And to have my children around the throne of God. And we're saying it paid off, didn't it? Son-in-laws, it paid off, didn't it? It paid off, didn't it? No, no. It paid off, didn't it? I know they were making fun of us. I know we were getting ridiculed. But it paid off. Look at Jesus, Nolan. Look at the Lord, Nolan. It paid off. But I can think of nothing worse than hell. Flames dancing all around me. A body that won't burn because it's an eternal body that won't burn. Gnashing of teeth. People gnashing on each other with their teeth. You're in a free fall the whole time because it's a bottomless pit. You hear the hissing of demonic spirits as they whiz around your ears. You hear all of these things are gnashing and moaning. Oh, God, it's a cry of the unimaginable. You're hearing all of these people are gnawing on you. And all of a sudden, your boy comes up beside you in hell. You hear me tonight. I'm about to preach you to this altar. You hear me tonight, Daddy. You better live such a way that in hell your children don't come up around you and say, Daddy, why didn't you lead us? Daddy, why didn't you get your feelings hurt? Mama, why were you so carnal? Mama, why weren't you in the prayer group instead of the gossip group? I've come to tell you tonight that would be worse than hell. matters if we won't choose for those of you sit in your seat you're like oh you can feel the weight And if you can't feel the weight, it's because, man, the enemy's got a grip. Here's the truth of it. You can get free today. I was good with that video till the very end. And all I could see was me making bad decisions and me ending up in hell and my son. Daddy, why couldn't you just do it? 
Because your choice would have changed everything. Stop making choices to benefit you. And make a choice that will change the outcome for eternity. At some point, we got to stop this stuff. At some point, you and I have to stand up and be counted. Bible says God stands at the door of your heart knocking, asking if he may come in. And for some reason, we keep treating him like this is Jehovah's Witness. We're not going to answer the door. The thing is, is that he won't stay at your door and knock forever. Hell is real. I promise you. I lived a chunk of my life with one door in the church and one foot in hell. And it was in that season I never thought I'd ever be blessed. I thought I'd never. No one would ever call me a husband. No one would ever call me dad. I've screwed up too much. I've made too many mistakes. That's why at 17 I... Tempted, tried to commit suicide because I thought my life had no value because I was so stuck in my sin and, and so committed to my sin that I couldn't even hear the God that was crying out my name and saying, Brian, come home. Love God. Obey God. Commit your ways to God. Choose today.